quick editor's note on the top here. We did some interesting editing to keep all the spoilers in the spoiler terry, so I'm sorry if it's a little jumbled, but that's all. Thanks. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Willie. I'm Tim. Today we're going to talk about some feedback. We've also got some film news to discuss. We're going to do a full review of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. This is episode 101, guys. It's 101. Welcome to the Podcast new 100. Podcast 101. We've yeah. crossed, the, uh, crossed the threshold. We're into Dalmatian okay. territory. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for Why are we clothes. reviewing that today? I don't know. Uh, Tim, where are you with your ideas? <laughs> As always, you can find us on MidwestFilmNerds.com with full show notes and all of our previous episodes. All of our previous episodes are also available on iTunes uh, as of the past few weeks. At MFN Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook and Vine, and then uh, 248-7335-MFN, which is also 248-7335-636. Leave us a voicemail. We might play it on the podcast and talk about it. Yeah. And then there's, of course, feedback. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. That's what some of these people did. Uh, Nancy wrote in. She said, I wanted to send a quick note to congratulate you guys on your 100th episode. It's so awesome that you've been so dedicated to putting a show together for this long and hopefully still find it fun and rewarding. I'm really glad I stumbled across your podcast. I'm looking forward to seeing what you decided to do for this 100th episode. Thank you for listening, Nancy. Yes. Nancy goes on to say uh, her iPod died, which sucks, but uh, that put her behind in listening to some episodes. She finally got to Godzilla and saw Godzilla as well. She said, I finally saw Godzilla and was glad to hear what you guys thought. I went into it with pretty low expectations. I like Aaron Taylor Johnson from both Kick-Ass Movie and his role as John Lennon in Nowhere Boy. And I, of course, love Brian Cranston. I'm a big, big Breaking Bad fan, too. I think that since the movie, Godzilla, was set in my area, which is San Francisco, uh, I was more into it than I would have been if it was not in a familiar place. I'm assuming that the San Francisco thing will help me like both the Planet of the Apes movies, too, when I finally see those. This is me speaking. You're going to love those anyway, because they're awesome. Yeah, get on, get on that. But uh, God, she goes back, or back to her. She says, Godzilla was a bit long, and I think more Brian Cranston would have been better. That's basically what I said. <laughs> so if you write this, here's the lesson. If you write in saying what I want to hear, <laughs> it's going to get read. Uh, she so, said, the whole thing with Aaron Taylor Johnson and his family was tedious, and yes, how is he somehow invincible to these monsters? Weird. But it was a fun movie. I think they screwed up when showing the scale of Godzilla compared to the other two monsters. In the first part of the movie, Godzilla seemed ten times the size, but in San Francisco, he was maybe twice as big. Minor issue, but oh well. Again, you guys rock for making it to 100 episodes. I'm excited for you and can't wait to listen. Take care, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. I agree with everything. Yeah. We're still two men alone. In <laughs> right? <laughs> From everybody I've met. Yeah. Everybody else is nuts. We've always got it. Including you, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you, you poor guys, and you're... Uh, we'll always have each other. And you're a minority. Yeah, right. I don't know, you're not the minority in this case. <laughs> okay, so then uh, David Smith, a.k.a. David Steele, wrote in on Facebook <clears throat> saying, I was thinking about a couple of things you guys talked about from the past few episodes. My irrational movie fear comes from the movie Candyman, which is basically a Bloody Mary type thing where you say his name five times in the mirror and Tony Todd... With a giant hook hook appears and kills you. Yeah. I watched it with my stepmom in my parents' bedroom when I was about six or seven. My parents basically let me watch anything but would cover my eyes if there were boobs. The whole time I was worried he was going to stab through the bed from under me. 
We had a wing of my elementary school that was older and had worse lighting than the rest of the school that our computer lab was in. Whenever I would go to the bathroom in, in this wing, I wouldn't look in the mirrors and I would rush as fast as I could. So, that's David's. It's not that irrational because it's still, I mean, it's not the Drew Carey show. Let's put it that way. Right. I, I love David's description of, of Tony Todd comes out of the, out of the mirror. <laughs> you know, famed uh, genre actor Tony Todd pops out of the mirror. That is really good. So thank you for writing in, David. We've got a little bit more feedback in the rest of this episode, but it's going to come up where it's a little bit more applicable. Yeah. But uh, as always, write in feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com, or you can write to us on Facebook or Twitter. So, film news. We got a, uh, an announcement from Disney. Toy Story 4 in June 2017. It's going to happen, guys. It's being written by Rashida Jones oh, and, really? Will, and Will McCormick. How do we feel about this? Toy Story 3 came out uh, four years ago at this point. Three I'm, and a half. Yeah. I'm okay with Toy Story 4 if it's like different toys. Like completely. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no. I, mean that, like, I love those characters. That's why I don't want it to be those characters. There was rumor that Tim Allen signed on for this years ago. but Yeah, I mean, it's going to be buzzing. He tweeted way. about it and said... It's a go, yeah. Basically, so. it's gonna be those characters. I mean, it's. I, I was kind of hoping maybe it'd be like a different Toy Story, but eh. yeah, I don't know. It felt like a good place to close the trilogy with number three, and I like that they've been doing these little shorts that they put out on like Halloween and Christmas and things like that. To keep on, the characters alive on TV, yeah, because you know. But I don't know. Has anybody watched any of those shorts? I haven't. No. Okay. I haven't watched Toy Story two or three, so I'm out of this conversation. <laughs> Whoa. No, I have. I don't have any interest. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, any thoughts on Toy Story Four? You know, <clears throat> a lot of times when uh, when a series ends like on a good note, and they're like, "Hey, we're doing more." I I know I always say, and I think most people do. Oh, I'm not interested. It ended in a good place, but secretly, deep down inside, I'm always kind of like, uh, maybe I'm curious. Yeah. yeah, that's not the case with this one. I am 100 <laughs> percent interested in Toy Story Four. You're 100 percent what? Not interested. Not interested. Okay. 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 And, you, and when you see it, Tim, you'll you'll understand. Toy okay. Story Three ends. It's perfect. Perfectly. Yeah. Okay. It had like, I'll it had have like a 99 percent arrival. The only person who didn't agree was Armand White. Of course. So. Oh, but I like Armand. So. <laughs> No, so Armand and Tim. It's just remember when Disney like the sequels they made the sequels and everybody just kind of rolled their eyes. Yeah. Them, but now like they make sequels. I guess it's not Disney; it's Pixar. But same thing. Well, yeah, like Pixar. Pixar is having a little bit of a sequel issue as of late. Kind of. Cars two wasn't too good. Monsters. And Monsters University was. It was an okay film, but nobody like it didn't do big numbers. So. Yeah. It just seems kind of well. It's I mean, cheapen the brand, I guess. Cause they used I to get call that. It. Well, yeah, because the sequels, even back then, though, the sequels were direct-to-video. Yeah, and they used yeah. to call so it, like, Lion King two and a half. Yeah, and they were all yeah. done, like, the animation was, like, super cheap, and everybody knew what they were getting when they rented them. Right. But now it's, I don't know, yeah. I'm still waiting on Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could capture the smile on your face. <laughs> if you can keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. I, I miss when Pixar, like, Pixar's got one... One non-sequel movie in development right now that's supposed to come out next year. What? About dinosaurs. Oh, the dinosaur one. Yeah. 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 That sounds awesome. I saw that. On the it is kind of drag because they would just have interesting original movie after yeah. one after another. Boom, boom, boom. Like the only just... sequel they had for the longest time was Toy Story 2. That's that was very it. true. Yeah. And then they got all the way to like Cars and they were like, oh, this is the worst movie we've made. Let's make a sequel. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I don't get that one. I would actually watch a sequel to Bugs Life, though. I'm just throwing it out there. Like I think I think it, if they if they released a new Bugs Life movie, like, I think it would do better than the original Bugs Life. Did. And with, with some years between installments, yeah. like Monsters University was way better than I thought mm-hmm. it would be, and it was, it, was, and it was a solid what like yeah. ten years. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I don't know about ten years, but it was quite a while. And like Toy Story three was that came out when I was in high school. I was Did a sophomore. When yeah, no, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was probably ten okay. years. Yeah. So yeah, maybe. But <laughs> that's cool. Toy Story three had some distance too. To two? Yeah. Yeah. There was a like seven years or something like that. Yeah, and that's two. cool too. Toy Story but, three came out what like three years ago, four years ago. Three and a half. Yeah. I think the only reason they made those movies is because they hadn't like somebody had a story idea. They were like somebody finally came up with something. They're like that's that's a really cool idea. Who knows? Maybe it's a great idea. Maybe it'll be really good. Maybe. Maybe. It just doesn't seem necessary. Do we know Will McCormick? Uh, maybe. Do I know Will McCormick? Okay. I'm uh, getting him confused with the guy from Will and Grace, but that's yes. Aaron McCormick, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, he played Will. Uh, <laughs> he absorbed his role. Will McCormick wrote Celeste and Jesse Forever with Rashida Jones. Okay, which she stars in. Yes. He also wrote Did he write Elf? Um, or is he just... Is that just no, a picture on his IMDb picture? No, he, he was an actor in Elf. He played Witness in Elf. Oh, okay. So oh. that's good. Anyway, I don't know. We'll oh. see. Might be well, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Harrison Ford In movie? that case. He played the character? He played the Witness in Witness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up here. Toby Kebbell shot himself in the foot uh, just a few short moments ago. He shot a studio in the foot. Uh, yeah, so shot shot a movie in the foot. In a conversation with Collider, Toby. To be fair, the writers are the ones. That shot <laughs> Toby Kevill is just the messenger. <laughs> That's true. Let's not shoot the messenger. To, to, Toby Kevill said in an interview to Collider about the new uh, Fantastic Four film. I'm excited to see it too, and my nerves really. The only thing I can tease you about is what I worked on the most was my voice, because nobody, even in the cartoons when I was watching them, was like, "So where's he from?" There's a mild change, and I'll tell you, mild change, according to Toby Kebbell. And I'll tell you because of our history. He's Victor Domashev, not Victor Von Doom in our story, and I'm sure he'll be, I'll be sent to jail for telling you that. The Doom in ours, I'm a programmer, a very antisocial programmer. And, blogging on, and on blogging sites, I'm quote-unquote Doom. Huh? He also had a little bit more to say, actually. That was a little bit of a drag, too. (laughs) (laughs) Was it it this quote saying, Yeah, it was cool, man. Josh, the whole deal, the whole lo-fi way he did it, the ultra-real. It was just nice to do that. It was nice to be feeling like we had to come to terms with what was given by this incident. No. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer, though, too. Yeah, lo-fi, lo-fi. is what I think of. Guys, I'm telling you. The Fantastic Four. This, this, this found footage rumor, I th- really think it's... Ha- I think it's, like, I'm pretty sure that's what's actually happening. It's amazing. I, I don't know. It's amazing how nothing that comes out about this movie is good. Right? <laughs> No, okay, there was one let's point. Let's take let's take this back. It's amazing how this is the second Fantastic Four movie that's just been a complete train wreck, and this one might actually see release. This is the second. This actually this is the third Fantastic Four film franchise start that was a train yeah. wreck. We well, count Roger Corman. What I, what I'm saying is that the other two actually came out. Yeah, Corman yeah. didn't come out. That's the, true. Like, it's like I'm drawing more parallels between those two because at least the ones in between came out <laughs> released and made some money. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's best if this one isn't. 
release. I started, like, when they announced everything, I'm like, all right, I'm kind of, in, like, the movie and the, the director. And then the cast came, and I was kind of bummed because I wanted an older Fantastic Four, but I'm like, eh, okay, I'll see what they do, because I kind of like the people in the cast. Yeah. And then yeah. they started announcing other things. Yeah, there were some things that, yeah, uh, it's just not... Like the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get... I don't understand why... Like, how hard is it to take, like, arguably the greatest comic book villain... Ar- arguably the greatest comic book villain in all of comics, I, I would argue it, and and screw it up this badly? Like, and, and change... Like, why? I, why is My, like, I mean... I don't get it. My guess on it is that... Uh, this is Fox, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fox, Fox probably saw how hard they got shat on for the last two. And were like clear, and they and they in their mind were like, this is the most accurate comic to to movie representation we could make of this series. So clearly, people want something completely different. That's not even true, though. Which is why no, that's point. what I'm saying. As this is what they think in their mind as hmm. like billion year old white gray haired men in a boardroom that don't understand anything about the kids going are gonna love right it. Yeah. Like, the kids are all blogging. These they're days. all yeah, they're all about Can't the, the, the blogging. Blogs. Yeah. But I don't know, Nick. Thoughts? Disappointment <laughs> today. Um, the, the, the line I was thinking of was when he, he said something. Maybe it was in that quote and I just zoned out for a second. He said something at some point about not being in control of anything about the character except for the yeah, voice. Yeah, the accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that was basically all he had to do was the voice or something alluded to that. He said, so, he said, he said that uh, he said the only what? thing he could control as an actor... Was the voice of the character? Everything else was out of the So control. it's going to be like CGI heavy, probably, and he's got a full mask on the whole time, and which is kind of okay for Doom. But I, I just the don't. way the way he said it, I was just like, he made it seem like he just really had very little to do with the character. Right. It just it, it's funny because it strikes it's it's weird to me that like this feels like the plot. This this Doctor Doom element feels like the plot of a of a superhero movie we'd be getting in like two thousand. Mm-hmm. Like th- this this would be like a well we can't really ma- we can't go all out and have fun and be comic booky about it because we need to ground it in reality and we need to make Doctor Doom not Victor Von Doom because that's just silly which it is but that's okay. Like like this feels like a movie that should have been made in like two thousand like or the early early days. You know, and for some reason, Fox is still hung up on like we can't make anything fun and comic booky. He's got to be a computer hacker. Like, like what? And it doesn't make sense to me, especially with the stuff Marvel's doing right now. Like, they're pretty much embracing. I mean, they're grounding it a little bit. But they're embracing that. Like, you'd think Fox would be like, okay, well, clearly audiences are okay with like Doctor Doom floating around on his like on a little hovercraft or something. Like, why not? Why? Why can't I see that? No, he's got a Segway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. No. You know what? I'm actually super okay with this because everything else about the movie is so bad that yeah, there yeah. couldn't be anything redeeming about it. For I'm, me. Yeah, I'm so, kind of want this go full train wreck now. Yeah, like because then I'll watch it. Yeah, no, I mean it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be probably pretty funny. Yeah, it's always gonna be if that's the if, if that that's happens. the villain of yeah, the piece. If that happens, it's gonna be very it's funny. Gonna, yeah, I want to see him fight Mole Man. Where's that movie? Not, the thing it, it's just, it's a real shame yeah. because they're in the entire Marvel like pantheon you can pull from fantasy four has been around the longest i think yeah there is so much Big. history to draw from and so many of the comics are are just phenomenal and you can just hire someone who who knows that and 
help help you make a good movie. <laughs> and people make big epic science fiction movies now. There's one we're talking about. Yeah, a little bit. So no, I don't like, think like, audiences like a properly, are <laughs> a properly done like adult Fantastic Four movie could be so amazing. It could be so amazing. And it's such a shame. Maybe that, one day. That we're going to get this like, scrub, whiny baby. <laughs> I'm a sad computer hacker who's very antisocial. Wah. That's our, that's our evil dude monarch. There, there, there's a chance that's the, uh, that's the uh, Lex Luthor we're getting. <laughs> But I'm more accepting just, of Lex Luthor as a younger guy. That's a little bit more like, like certainly than. <laughs> and they, and they, they did say yeah. he's going to be like a business magnate, not yeah. not an antisocial computer. Program. <laughs> he's not Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> right. Well, he's part of Mark Zuckerberg. And that's the thing with like grounding it. I would assume you ground a superhero movie to get maybe an older audience in, to so like they wouldn't go. Oh, oh this, this is looks stupid. This is a kids movie, but like an older audience is going to sit there and go, "Oh, what's a blogger?" Like, <laughs> what is this? Why is this guy such a crybaby? All our audience are going to go, this looks stupid. I'm not going to see this. Oh, this movie's not going to make that much money, I don't think, honestly. <laughs> sure. I so don't none of this makes any sense, is what I'm saying. Yeah, like, and I think one thing that, that honestly gets <clears throat> misunderstood by studios is that, like, obviously not everybody seeing the Fantastic Four movie is going to be a Fantastic Four fan. Some people just want to see it because it looks like a cool action movie or whatever, right? But when, when the fan base isn't excited for something, I swear that gets out in the air there. And it, it does color the movie. I think mm-hmm. I really do. And not every time. I mean, I don't think hardcore transformers fans are into the transformer series, but clearly yeah. those are making money. Yeah. But I, I think a lot of times that really does like that gets out there. I mean, and a lot of the word of mouth that started the whole transformers runaway train was from fans who saw the first one. And, and enjoyed like, it. That right. was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And Megatron yeah. wasn't like a hacker. <laughs> He's a big robot <laughs> with a sick emo head. <laughs> right, like. He did have like a shawl in the second one. Though, he did. So he had yeah. a bit of a hipster throw. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's enough. It's just it's bad news. That's all. Yeah. There's there's yeah. no news about there's this movie. So I feel bad right now for Toby Kebbell. I don't. I kind of do. I I mean I. I don't He'll know. make it out all right. I almost feel bad for Josh Trank, but he's got a Star Wars movie lined up, so I can't wait to see that baffling. Star Wars movie. <laughs> I can't wait to see, yeah, the five uh, well, footage. We'll see if he still has a Star Wars movie after this bad And with Josh Trank, though, too, it almost... Because there were rumors of him leaving this project many times. It almost seems like he's kind of... Maybe like, he's, he's stuck and he's just like, I gotta do this and get to Star Wars. <laughs> like, I gotta get through this thing. Because, <laughs> right? I mean, it, there were rumors of him leaving this a lot, and now I can kind of see why. Yeah. I find it weird that there's not one set photo. Yeah. There was not a single... Well, there was one. It was of Doom, wasn't it? Yeah. It was in a studio. Like, there's not one <laughs> exterior, like, on location picture taken of anything. If they've not got... even an actor in a, in a robe. If they, if they got one, they need to release it now. <laughs> I may, I, maybe they didn't use any... <laughs> maybe they didn't take any photos. Remember they said they wrapped photography, like, yeah. three yeah. months ago? We were surprised. They, they had shot for like eight weeks. <laughs> I mean, I the actors, I they, they're the physical beings in this movie. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be so bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't wait. Oh, oh, no, no, I'm excited too. <clears throat> okay, well, this segment turned me around, boys. I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> All right, finally, here we're gonna talk about uh, most of the cast of Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight has been announced. 
We've got uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Kurt Russell, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, and Jennifer Jason Lee. Supposedly Channing Tatum is circling a role. And then on top of that, uh, this is supposed to be one of the biggest 70mm film releases known to man. Bruce Stern's in it, too. Oh, Bruce Stern's in it. What does that mean, biggest 70mm film release? Like the widest 70mm film release. Oh, okay. Oh, the most theaters carrying it. Yeah, I kind of thought you meant like... Yes, no, it's going to be... It's seven hours long, so it's like double interstellar. (laughs) Right. Almost triple. No, I don't know. What do you guys think? Nick, does this make you care at all yet? (laughs) Are you over the butthurtedness of Quentin Tarantino? No. I mean, I wish he was jumping into a different genre or or universe. Yeah, this is just. I thought I thought his original script for the Hateful Eight was a World War II drama. I think that wound up being a different thing. I don't know. I, I th- if he was making a war movie again, I'd be, I'd be okay. You had a buffer in between, but he just wants to make like, another western with mm-hmm. with some of the same. I, I don't know. I still haven't seen Django. Oh man! But, oh really? But I'm I'm not terribly interested in. You in should do this. Yeah, I've heard insanely mixed things about Django. I think you should see it though. It's my favorite. Ugh. But then my favorite Tarantino movie is Jackie Brown, so maybe I don't. <laughs> That's my second favorite Tarantino. Though you didn't movie. say Death Proof, so you're yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jackie Brown's cool. I, I I like the cast. I mean, I, I, some of them are pretty obvious. Like, okay, Sam Jackson's in it. Yeah, okay. Michael Madsen. I'm happy to see you got Kurt Russell yeah, back. Tim Roth, Kurt Russell. That's cool. I mean, there, there are cool people in it. My question is, why is Channing Tatum having second thoughts about like circling this? Like, he should be like, yeah, I'm in. Maybe that Gambit uh, contract like, is an issue. Yeah. Oh, good point. I guess contract. Maybe Lauren Schiller Donner. Hacker Gambit. He's going to need something <laughs> after... Uh, <laughs> Lauren Schiller Donner won't let him off After the Jupiter Ascending <laughs> takes, <laughs> takes the world by storm. I yeah, think. he's got to get the next one loaded to take full <laughs> advantage of the momentum of that one. Is that movie... That didn't come out yet, did no, it? No, it comes out that next got, year. The same dumped. weekend as the uh, Jeff Bridges movie. Oh, that pulled a G.I. Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, but I, it's isn't it in like January? It's in an even worse month because GI Joe was March. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Woof. But yeah, no, I, I'm I'm ex- I, I always get excited for Tarantino stuff. I mean, I'm not like I used to like him a lot more back yeah. when. Like I used to be like more of like a. I think everybody was though when Tarantino was first around. If you were into movies, you were like Tarantino. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and, but I, and people have softened on him over time. But I think I've enjoyed, like, the last few movies he's made, like, I didn't watch any trailers for him, I don't think, or any, like, anything about him, and I just right. went in and just really enjoyed him. Like, uh, Inglorious Bastards. And I Tango. love Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I think that's that's a phenomenal movie. That's yeah. why I kind of wanted to see him get back to war. Yeah. Yeah, and he might at some point. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. He said he's retiring after his 10th film. That's still his plan. I don't okay. know what number he's on here. I, you know what? Actually, scratch that. I'd rather see him get back to, like, a, a more modern timeline yeah. like i think he does really well with like the the kind of 90s 2000s crime scene him doing another like like heist type movie yeah. with a bigger budget now would be kind of cool i mean not remaking reservoir dogs obviously but something closer <clears throat> to you know like a smaller like not as big in scope and a little more you know mm-hmm. intimate and stuff that'd be really cool you know but with with kind of a budget so he could play around with some things be cool. I also want to see like a tar- like an '80s set Tarantino movie. Because '80s, I mean, back in the '80s, that's when he was working at the video store and coming up with all these ideas and stuff. I'd like to see him like delve into like his formative, not about himself, but into his formative years, the, the years that he was kind of, mm-hmm. you know. So you want Clerks by? No, okay. I don't want. Oh that. my god! <clears throat> but I, do, I would like an like? '80s like super neony, uh, 
like Tarantino. Now movie. you're talking. <laughs> It'd be now cool with with the Tarantino dialogue, but kind of set like lots of cocaine and nightclubs no. and Scarface stuff. That you would know. be really sweet. I'd be down for that. Get on it, Tarantino. I hope hateful eight is spelled with the number eight. Both in hateful and eight. I, yeah, there's two eights. I, I think there's at least the one in hateful. H eight F U L. And then eight. <laughs> Let's see. Are Sponsored by Motel Eight. Yeah, no, this, is, this isn't worth looking at. I don't yeah. know. No, that was know. Know. it may or may not have an eight. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's put out like a like a poster announcing that he's going to start production at some point. He put out a trailer too, so. <laughs> All right. Well, already oh, no, put on a script on accident. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. I say good luck. Good luck, Tarantino. For sure. Good luck, Chan Chan. <laughs> Wrestle with that decision. Whatever decision you make, yeah. we'll be behind you. <laughs> Except for Gambit, Alec isn't behind you on that one. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on to our full review of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. Oh man. That time? It is that time. We've got uh, this movie stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, and uh, a bunch more people. Michael Caine, if you couldn't have guessed it. Bill Devane. William Devane. Yeah, absolutely. Jessica Chastain. IMDb synopsis for this movie says, A group of explorers use a newly discovered wormhole to surpass the limitations on human space travel and conquer an interstellar endeavor. This is the... Official first Christopher Nolan movie that we're reviewing on this podcast. Is it really? Did he not do The Dark Knight? Oh, that was episode one. That was our, that was Tim, our test. Tim, you're, oh! one of the, you're one of the few people that, it was heard, that has heard that review. <clears throat> I'm one of the few people who will ever hear that review. Let's hope this one's better. <laughs> our, our, our review of that one was about as long as Interstellar was. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, I don't know. We're kind of, we, we talk about Nolan quite a bit. Uh, a few of us were pretty excited for Interstellar. It was number one on my most anticipated, number two on Nick's. I, was it on yours at all, Tim? It wasn't on mine because I forgot it. About okay. It. Yeah, it was I don't know. I don't think it was I on don't think it was on no. Willie's. So. It would have been. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I want to be real leery of spoilers and things. Yeah. So right. we will have a very defined spoiler, Terry, for this uh, review. But There's a know. lot of twists and turns. <laughs> you don't want to give them away. Yeah. So, Nick, how did you feel about Interstellar? I, I really, really liked it. I would, I, I would, yeah, I could say I loved it. Probably, yeah. I did. I loved it. It was good. That's good. Um, I'm not sure yet where it ranks. I mean, I take my Nolan movies pretty seriously. Uh, I'm not sure where I've I've only seen it the once. Still, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to sneak in for a, for a second viewing. Me too. Before the uh, before the review here, but um, I think it's. You know, whether people like it or not, I think they have to acknowledge it's quite an achievement. It's a very interesting movie that's that's very unique, and yet, like a lot of other things at the same time, mm-hmm. it's cool to see where a lot of Nolan's influences come into play in this one. It's much more overt than some of his than in any of his previous movies, I would say, but it's not a bad thing. You're never like, oh, this is a rip-off of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting because it's... it's no, it's absolutely no one's warmest, most emotional movie. And he's a guy who gets accused a lot of being very cold and uh, emotionless and a little too Kubrick in that regard. But I think this movie has has a lot of heart. And um, it's just phenomenal on a technical level. It's absolutely baffling at times. Yeah. Everything from the 
there are some scenes where everything lines up so perfectly from the, the score to the direction to the cinematography to the acting to the effects and the sets and the writing and everything just lines up throughout almost the entire movie. I, I would say there are very few moments in this movie where anything feels out of sync. I think it's, it's very, very good from uh, start to finish. And it's it's like like any other, not any other Nolan movie, but most Nolan movies, especially the ones that are his original properties, um, it it leaves you thinking afterwards, and it leaves you immediately wanting to see it again. So that's good. Good job, Nolan. <laughs> the, the stakes were high on this one. I had really, really, really high expectations. Yeah, probably the highest of any movie I've had this year, and it absolutely lived up to everything. All right, Willie, how'd you feel about Interstellar? There's there's a lot to like and there's a lot I didn't like. Okay. Um, I'm really I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I, I the the first couple I don't even know how to break down the movie because there's a lot going on. But I would say the first I don't want to say it, the first hour hour and a half I was pretty invested in it. Okay. There were moments where I was like, okay, we need to move along. Like I. There were moments, I guess, where I felt like the same message or the same conversation or the same scene was happening that had already happened previous to try and kind of smack you over the head a little bit. And so I felt like a little bit of that might have been, they could have cut a bit of that and like streamlined some of it so we could get kind of on the journey a little faster. Um, There was a point in the movie, and I will not say it in non-spoilers, where there's a character introduced and at from that point forward, I was done with the movie. Wow. Yeah. And I, I wanted to get back on that track. I, it, it knocked me off, and I kept trying to get back on, and then every time I went, I'm like, okay, all right, no. And a lot of that, it's tough to talk about because I don't want to spoil anything. A lot of that has to do with the fact, I feel like the the first bit is, is really kind of a this awesome... 90% of it's really awesome. It's this build to the mission. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed what was happening there and I was excited to see what was going to happen after we got you know after we started to embark on this thing and then I feel like the last hour or so of the movie is just there's so much to digest and there's never any time to digest it as soon as you're just starting to get used to where the movie's at now it's somewhere else again and I, I under I can see why some people might like that because it's like, hey, I'm always on my toes and I don't know what's going to happen next. And I, I normally I like that, but I, when you're bringing up the kind of super, super, super rich, thought-provoking thematic stuff that he's doing in every scene, and 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 sometimes it'll change like that, and you're like, wow, I didn't think about this aspect of his mission, or I didn't think about how this would affect somebody, or. Then, like, they're on to the next one. I'm like, wait, hold on. I was savoring that. Like, let me savor that for a minute before you start moving on to the next thing. And I feel like if there were parts cut from, I guess, the first portion of the film, things condensed and streamlined, to make more room to let me really enjoy some of those, some of the more thought-provoking stuff towards the end, I think I would have enjoyed the movie more. I think it's a pacing thing for me. The last hour or so is just like boom, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, like, and not in a, it, I w- couldn't catch my breath, but not in a good way. Okay. Uh, with Gravity, for instance, I couldn't catch my breath, and I, I hate to compare the two because other space movies, but I'm going to here. I couldn't catch my breath in a good way. Like I, I, I constantly felt tense and strung out, and like that's the way I, I wanted that movie to make me feel. 
Um, but this one, I just, I, I don't know. It, it falls apart a little bit for me towards the end. Okay. And it never quite corrected itself. So. All right. Yeah, I, visually, it's fantastic. There's some really, really cool stuff going on. Um, and some really original visions of what other life, other planets would look like and, and life on other planets would be. Or, or the non-existence of life on other planets. That stuff's very cool, but I don't know. All right, Tim, what did you think about Interstellar? I didn't like it, but like, <laughs> I appreciate it. It's it's an incredibly flawed movie on a story level. It's a movie that, well, to me at least, to me at least, it's. But I don't want to knock it too much because it's very much a Christopher Nolan movie. Like this is Christopher Nolan, like times a hundred. Like, this is the most Christopher Nolan movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and for me, personally, it's too much Christopher Nolan. <laughs> because it's so... It's got all his hallmarks. And I'm sure Nick can get into this, but they're all there. I mean, including the stuff of, of his that I don't really like that much. Uh, I'm thinking mostly of the exposition. Okay. There's a ton of it in this. And when you're dealing with something like... When I'm dealing with something like Inception, which I love. Um, when you have something like Inception, it's necessary and it, he uses it as kind of a baseline to get you into that world this one i didn't feel it was necessary and it hurts it because in his movies he does a lot of telling not showing to me and yeah. i prefer when i am allowed to feel something there are parts in this movie where i feel stuff and then immediately he goes into a five minute scene of him telling me what i felt <laughs> the scene before and there are a couple scenes in particular that you guys will mention in spoilers but once again i came out of this movie maybe as disappointed as I've been in a movie in a long time. Wow. I really did not enjoy my time in the movie, but I was still thinking about it afterwards. And when, as I read it, I gained more appreciation for it, but I still did not. I don't want to watch it again. I, I would rather read about what people are saying than go back and watch it again. Cause I didn't, it's such a scattershot film to me. It's there are, I wish it was more focused and I'm a little worried because this is the second movie of his in a row where I felt this. Like, it's scattershot. It's all over the place. And if you focused on one or two things, there are ideas in this that I wish he focused on more and went full in with. And he did that in the past. And he hasn't been doing it in the last couple. And I worried that he's turning into Peter Jackson. But I don't think he is because Peter Jackson's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I just... It's so weird. It, it's... I thought about it like this. I would rather read it. I got more from reading about it afterwards. The problem is I think he just doesn't do a very good job of handling all of the things. He juggles a lot, and the ambition, I don't want to knock that either. He juggles a lot of themes in this and a lot of ideas, but it's kind of like it's kind of like going through what I thought of as going through when people post those uh, uh, I effing love science things on yeah. Facebook, and you get all these cool like thoughts, and then you don't really look into it deep. They just kind of go out of your head in a second. Yeah. He rushes from idea to idea, and the stuff he doesn't focus on, it bothered me. Um, there was something else I was going to touch on. It's mostly on a character level. I have a problem with this too. I, I didn't. I wasn't interested in any of them, honestly. As much as McConaughey tried, they all just felt like vessels for exposition. I would have rather, and I would have been amazing if Christopher Nolan wrote a novel called Interstellar, because it would have. I would have read that rather than watch this movie. Interesting. Hmm. So that's what I. All right. Um, I loved this movie. I loved every second of this movie. It, it's going to be my number one of the year. I'm 99% sure of that. 
But I almost completely agree with everything that you and Willie said. Um, the thing for me, I think, I think this movie, on a story level, it, it works for me. So I guess I don't agree with Tim there. Okay. The story, the, the broad strokes of everything, I think, work really well. But when you get down to some of the writing and some of the way that the characters behave and some of the ways that I think Nolan was, both Nolans, Jonah and Christopher, were kind of looking to convey emotion and feeling, I don't think they quite connected. I don't know if, uh, I don't think they were copacetic and it's really hard fighting with logic and feeling, which is something that this movie does in many places and in many areas. So, that to me was probably my biggest issue with this movie, is, is some of the inconsistencies in, in, in characters and, and, and with a lot of the writing that, that exists, how it is, and we can get into that in spoilers. But I absolutely love the score. Hans Zimmer's score is fantastic. I'm glad to see that he's not just going to be cooking out the Amazing Spider-Man 2 over and over again now. <laughs> that couldn't have been an actual worry, though. Uh, that, that was a one in a million score. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You never know. There's always a first, and there could be more after that. But um, So I'm glad Hans Zimmer's back to his original form. Uh, and then there are things in this movie... The whole idea of being born 40 years too early to explore space and 40 years too late to, you know, like back in there, 100 years too early to explore space and 100 years too late to explore the world. There are things that I get to see in this movie that absolutely blow my mind and, and are things that I would love to sign away my life and just ride like Sputnik out into the depths of, of space just to witness these. And I, and I think that's amazing and I think he did a really beautiful job with all of that and the fact that he got Kip Thorne a physicist to come and work on this movie and they're publishing papers both in scientific journals and in like computer graphics journals on the visuals that they made in this movie is amazing like Kip Thorne learned things about space by helping them make this movie and is now publishing what he's learned that's fantastic and I think that's amazing but um it's, it's really weird for me. I think my love of science puts an emotional core in this movie that isn't there for everybody. And um, I think that's an issue. I think that's, that's something that was missed. And, and I don't think that it's Christopher's fault completely. But I do think it could be... Like, I think... I don't know how strong Jonah's script was, and I don't know how much... I mean, we, we, we read a lot about how... Jonah wrote this movie for Spielberg, and then it got retooled a lot for Christopher. Apparently, there's a lot that's changed, and it might have changed hands, and maybe it was a lot of Christopher's influence that kind of removed a lot of the things that I wish were, were there, or, or, or that pulled away some of the refined parts of the script, and I'd, I'd be interesting to, interested to know more about that, but... <clears throat> I absolutely think I recommend going to the IMAX. Go to the IMAX instead of like if you have an IMAX near you, go to that That's because what I, was I didn't. Say, neither yeah. of these two went to the IMAX. That's true. I think they That's missed out on part of the experience. That's I true. think I think if you're like us though, and you maybe weren't as crazy about it, you'll enjoy it a little more. I still don't know, I don't but think, if you yeah, like, if you're yeah, gonna like sure. it like you guys are, you'll love it. You'll love it even more. I don't think I, I don't it, think it would have. It's still not something I would have necessarily liked. Yeah. As a movie, but I would have. I, 
I can see how some of it was amazing because some of it's amazing in a regular theater too. I, I mean, I mean, you're probably a hundred times more immersed in that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah I, I think it would have it would have definitely like increased my enjoy like enjoyment of the the scenes I already enjoyed. That, right. I, I can't but, say anything about this movie, but I still wouldn't have been able to tell you anything other about Wes Bentley's character other than he had a beard. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about Anne Hathaway other than she looked like she was going to cry all the time. <laughs> like, that's where my problems lie in the movie. I wouldn't have been able to tell you about McConaughey's son that he forgets about. So, like, these are my problems with the movie, and I don't think that IMAX would help that. That's, that's fair. That's, so, I that's all that's I'll say fair. on that. That's a fair criticism, in my opinion. But. Wes Bentley had a beard. <laughs> that's a oh, I'm sorry, he had another crew member. He's a black guy. Yep. Black, black guy, <laughs> black guy, black guy whose name? We, yeah, we he had a crazy voice. That dude was interesting. I want to like. What else has he been in? I don't know. I like that guy as an I'm actor, and he didn't do much. But yeah, I had a sick beard though. I, and that's that's the thing. I mean, I, I recognize there are a lot of issues no, with yeah. this movie, but but there's a lot of things that I personally get out of it. And I don't know that everybody else will, like I said. Yeah. And, it's, and I'm not saying that I'm above you guys, because I'm no, not. No, but you it's have different of, interests than we have. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, that's, that's totally valid. No, I think this is one of those movies where, like, like I, I, I didn't... I can't say I really liked it overall, but I would by no means say, like, oh, you're an idiot if you like this movie. No, this is a... That's not... Yeah. That would be horribly unfair for me to say to somebody. It's a divisive movie, and I'm glad it is, because it's the movie... I could be like, I don't agree with why you liked that, or I... You know what I mean? Like, but I, I could never... Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I, it's... Same with Dark Knight Rises. Like, I can't tell somebody, like, no, you're an idiot if you like that movie. Yeah. Right. You know, but... I don't know. I can do it. <laughs> um, I can do it. I'm not gonna. Um, I do want to touch on the Spielberg thing, though. Okay. Because I'm much happier that uh, Christopher Nolan made this movie. Because it's a little bit... Like, uh, Nick touched on it, too. It's a little bit outside of his normal comfort zone a little. Yeah. Although, I think he... I still think he did this movie before way better with Inception. Because I think it all kind of builds the same way and leads to the same thing. I just think he nailed it at Inception. But um, I would rather see him do this than Spielberg, because Spielberg has already done this movie like 40 times. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm okay with not seeing him do another one. Yeah, it's interesting reading about the differences between the two scripts. There were some pretty good articles on like Slash mm-hmm. Film and where they kind of take a look at both and look at the main differences between the two, and there's some really interesting Is stuff. Is the Spielberg script very spielberg I mean, yeah, it says score written by John Williams on the front. I don't know. Not, it, it's it, it feels a lot. Um, it feels a lot more comfortable, but there's still. Okay, yeah, that's why I'm there, lazy, there, Yeah, it, does it, it give you a hug? <laughs> yes. Okay. It, it starts. Spielberg embraces the audience okay. with his arms. That's stage direction. <laughs> <clears throat> but worth ten bucks. <laughs> so I don't know. Any? Oh, I wanted to read John. John wrote in. He wanted to be here, but uh, we we had some thoughts. Or he had some thoughts that he wanted to talk about. Something that I want to talk about. I, I, I still want to stay away from spoilers, but there's a fair amount of humor in this movie. I don't know how you guys... F- if, if you guys felt that way or not. Did- I think there's attempts. Um, <laughs> I just... This is another thing I want to talk But read his, read his thing. I'm gonna, we're going to go into spoiler Terry, and I'm going to read some thoughts from John. So we'll be right back. Boom. Done. Now we're in spoiler Terry. Enjoy that edit. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. So, so John, John, uh, John was texting me, and I just took a bunch of his texts and put them here. He said, someone on Reddit said that Tars and Case make up for all the Transformers movies. 
then he said, I swear to God, I was the only person laughing at them in the sold-out showing that we went to. He went to the Henry Ford as well. He said, no one laughed at the entire movie. There was some seriously funny shit, and it was like me and Corey losing it. And then he said, <laughs> he said, and Tim and John might have some fighting words here, but he said, it's a sign of intelligence. People are too stupid to understand humor at that level. Talk about that on the podcast if you haven't already recorded it. Oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious to know what the other guys think on the topic. I personally feel like wit is a sign of someone's intelligence. Being able to recognize it should go hand in hand. I can't imagine people are too afraid to actively enjoy something at an audible level so as to not ruin anyone else's enjoyment. Therefore, they're all stupid. And then he, said, <laughs> he said, I mean, they did all just vote red. But, uh, oh, well, we'll thanks, thanks for this inflammatory email from your brother. <laughs> So, Tim, yeah, please. Here's what I want to say. Christopher Nolan has a wonderful sense of humor, and here's how I know why. Okay. Anne Hathaway went on like some talk show, Jimmy Fallon, Jay Leno, yeah. one of those guys, yep. and was like telling stories about how he was going around the Dark Knight Rises set, like quoting MacGruber. So obviously, he is a, a refined taste like myself. <laughs> so like we both have the same intelligence, and that's why it's so weird. I don't know if I've ever got more than a like a chuckle out of a Chris Nolan, really? like a like a sip of tea and a. Huh, Good one, Chris. Good one, chat. Like, I've never, I can't remember laughing except for the Joker parts in The Dark Knight, but the Joker parts in The Dark Knight are so funny because he's not that funny. He's a psycho. Yeah. And he's just vicious. And I mean, this movie, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I don't have quite the wit, but I feel like I do if me and Chris Nolan are on the same page and we both love MacGruber. So, like, I didn't find the robots funny in, at all. Like, I think I, I got a, I want, I, I did a huh. Like that once when Matthew McConaughey says something to the robot. Yeah. But like they were very dry and I got the, and I got that they were making jokes, but they weren't funny jokes to me. We're so. balls deep in spoiler territory right now, by the way, because I didn't know there were robots in this movie going into Oh, okay. It. They're in all the trailers, but okay. I didn't know that though. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so we should probably migrate this over. Yeah, that's honestly fair. yeah. Let's move okay. on. That's we, fair. We, if, we can't say, if I can't spoiler. say Jessica Chastain is in the movie. All right, all right. I said that because Jessica Chastain, like, I was thinking the whole time, oh, I know she's in this movie. Where is she? And I was like, oh, she's his daughter in the future. I wish I didn't know she was in this movie because that would Like, I didn't know Casey Affleck was in the movie, and when he popped up, I was like, holy shit! Casey Affleck. Yeah. Yeah, The only three people I knew were in this movie were McConaughey, Hathaway, and Michael Caine. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah, I think I knew Lithgow was in it, but I forgot. I had no idea. All right, well, okay. we're retroactively in spoiler Terry. There's yes. just going to be a weird... Don't worry, John's be... offended most of our audience with his yeah, email. <laughs> there's going to be a weird, <laughs> a weird friggin' edit right in, right in the middle of... of oh, uh, goodness, goodness, me, goodness. Me. How, about, how about right now we record your... Thanks, John. Let's go with... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's hop back through this wormhole okay, we just okay, came through. Okay, okay. All right, so spoilers. I mean, and we're picking up right where we, where we just were uh, <laughs> after that, but before it. Um, <laughs> I think with Nolan's movies, because I, I think there's a lot of humor in a lot of Nolan's movies, and I think it's usually, it's a very particular type of humor, more like what's being said or depicted isn't actually funny, it's more circumstantial. Because I, I always think of the joke in Memento that always makes me laugh every time. And I've seen Memento a lot, and there's always one, there's several parts that always make me laugh, but the one when, when the scene starts and he's running, and he goes, okay, I'm chasing this guy. And the guy turns and shoots him, and he goes, no, he's chasing me. And he like, runs the other way. I think that's hilarious. And yeah. it's not actually funny. There's someone shooting at him, but it's funny because just the, the way in which it's narrated and the, the, the situation is funny because it's kind of like... Um, 
There's a line in an episode of Dead Like Me I watched where uh, one character says to another, Charlie Chaplin was like the master of, of the balance between tragedy and comedy. He said, if, you're, if you see somebody walking from a distance and they, they trip and fall, it's funny. He goes, but if you get too close to it and you see the pain in their face and you see the swelling of their foot and all that kind of thing, then it's not funny. It's just a bummer. And I think that a lot of Nolan's movies are kind of like that, where these characters can kind of, for just a, just a brief of seconds, remove themselves from the, the drama of the situation, and it's a little bit funny. Right. Which I think you have to do in, like, everyday life. It's like if you drive really carefully all the time, and then the one day you go, like, five miles over, you get pulled over, you're going to be mad. It's obviously terrible, but it's kind of funny. Like, what's, what, are the, what are the odds, you know? I, I thought the robots were kind of funny. I'm just hysterical. <laughs> I, no, I, I chuckle at them a few times. I, love, I, I loved the robots. I, comedy's a weird no, thing I, to start I, judging, like... If we're gonna yeah. go down this road, well, see, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's, yeah. really, it's really unexpected for Nolan's movies, though. Like to have, the, I thought there was a lot of humor throughout the movie. And McConaughey's character was very McConaughey. He was just very like <laughs> yeah. all, everything was kind of like, oh, all right, here we go. And I was like, this is kind of funny. I did like the robots quite a bit. I, when I did. Robot, I thought like I, I liked um, what was it? Case Tars and Case. Tars. Tars. He was he was cool. I actually like. I, maybe this is a problem. I don't know. I felt worse when he went through the wormhole. Like I got like sadder, like more sad about that than I did about like anybody else that died. <laughs> I think it's totally normal though. It's like we get sad when like puppies, like die animals. In yeah, Tars was um, basically that. But I will say this: there was only one time in the movie where everybody in the theater laughed in unison, and it was when Matt Damon came out of the cryo freezing. <laughs> everybody in the theater went, oh! <laughs> like, it was just like like like, uh, like laughs, like a wave of laughs. Because it was hilarious. Like they found Matt Damon on this planet. Like, <laughs> He's like, oh shit, I'm Matt Damon. I can, see, that, I, can, I can see that being a problem for some people. He's one of those actors that, comes and he is with, for he is for me too. So so that's, 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 that was weird. Yeah. So when they go to this planet, and I'm like, I'm like, I know it's probably gonna be somebody like that. Nolan's were like, maybe it's like Morgan Freeman's gonna pop out of this thing, <laughs> or Christian Bale's gonna pop <laughs> out. And then it was like, <laughs> so Matt Damon, like. Of all the people they could have found on this cryo tube thing, it's Matt Damon. Like that's just really strange to so me. So that was where that is that the character that got introduced. Oh that yeah, sends you off. Yeah. That, that wasn't because it was Matt Damon that it sent me off. I mean, but that didn't help. His but. his weird motivations of like, I'm gonna yeah, jeopardize but, this whole but mission. That's, yeah. that's that's the point where all the the plot twists start. Sorry, in the movie, and I wasn't I wasn't comfortable, um, and we start getting like. Okay, now Michael Caine was lying. Okay, let that die. No, wait a second. Now Matt Damon was lying and there's no... Wait, what? Hold on. Okay, now Matt Damon's got the ship explosion. Oh, wait, hold on. Like, I can't... My brain can't move that quickly. Mm. Maybe I'm a fucking idiot. Maybe your brother's right. <laughs> but... How hard did you laugh at the robots, though? I need a good quanti- quantitation. <laughs> no, I, I laughed a few times. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm I, kidding. I didn't feel comfortable laughing. Because <laughs> nobody else was. Yeah. I got some. I got some news for you, John. If one person's laughing, it's not that funny. <laughs> See, three people just laughed in this room, so it's funny. <laughs> uh, John and I have the same sense of humor, so it makes sense that we both enjoy. Uh, the Damon ours. stuff, yeah. The, the Damon stuff was the one thing. I don't want to get. The, honestly, I don't have much more to say about the movie. I think I've kind of said my piece. Um, the Damon stuff was, but that's the point I wanted to make is when they bring him out of his sleep. He then launches in. To like, I've lost my mind. To like, I were like, it's been so long, and we get it when he starts hugging and crying. Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you see Matthew McConaughey, like, as you oh yeah, and if, if that's how I woke up in the morning. Yeah. After any sleep, after a nap, and I saw McConaughey, so like a beautifully tanned, <laughs> just gorgeous Matthew McConaughey standing up, I would weep. Openly. Yeah, and that to me kind of sums up a lot of my issues with the movie. So that that was just kind of the one thing I wanted to touch on. But what just that they keep like the, they, after that point they, they keep telling you. Okay, how to feel you. it seems at some point. So 
<clears throat> I that it, and honestly, it doesn't have. I mean, I la- I kind of laughed too. I, I don't think if they hadn't laughed, I would have laughed at the Matt Damon thing. But it was kind of funny. <laughs> like it's like, hey, Matt Damon's here. Um, but it just that point happens to be the point where I was kind of out of it a little That's bit. That's fair. And it's just there's a lot. There's so much going on. It's like I have to deal with Michael Caine being an evil piece of crap, and then I have to deal with. The duality of the story there is a little... There's a lot. And I think that's something that would be a lot more rewarding on a second watch, but there's a good chance that it might not be rewarding at all, and that it was just really strangely handled. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, well, know. I don't know. know. It might be. I don't know. Um, but I just... It's, there's so much going on. And parts of it... I, there are moments during... Like, action beats and stuff I liked during that. You know, like, I liked the, the exit of Matt Damon's character, because it's just like... Done. See ya. That's it. And sometimes that's how it happens. The scene that like, followed it was absolutely mind blowing um, too. So that stuff is cool. Which scene was that? The uh, rotation. with the spin. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. That was the one part. Dude, you should have seen the image. It's white knuckle. There are parts of those that are really, really like parts of that that are really, really cool. But it's like I said, there's just that was the point where I started like having a hard time keeping up with where he was taking me because I'm like, do you know where you're taking me? Like, which pet? Which avenue are we taking? I mean, you can take two if you want to. That's cool. I can handle that. But don't take eight. And then don't keep cutting back to Jessica Chastain in between when I'm enjoying my action scene in space. Because I just, just, I didn't like that either. The editing of that was like, he was like trying to sync up things that were going on on Earth with things that they weren't syncing up at all. And I think that was his intention was like, see how it mirrors what's going on with Jessica Chastain. No, it doesn't. Well, Why did I have to watch Topher Grace sit around there for five minutes? He's coming! He's coming! What was the purpose of that scene? Did it matter that Casey Affleck rolled back up? No, because he just, just hugs him and goes, sorry, I burnt down your field. You're going to die. That's not what happened. It was super stupid. <laughs> it was super... Like, like, Topher Grace was silly in this movie, too. That's funny. I don't have any issues. No, he was fine. It's just like, like... Like, I don't know. Why are we watching him stand around in a field going, Oh, he's almost here. Like, like, like get back to the... I want to see what's going on with McConaughey. Cut it out. I don't like it. That's, that's, that's the part of the movie where I, like, I left. That was done. It's too bad. I thought that was one of the best parts. Did you? The, cu- the cutting stuff? The cross-cut between Earth and stuff? The cross-cut didn't bother me, because I think Nolan... <laughs> stuff like that has happened in a lot of his movies before. Oh, no, totally, And I think yeah. he likes to balance several moments of heavy drama that just keeps you going. Like, I think he likes to build tension. And in a, in a, one of my complaints with the movie initially was I didn't like... Uh, I didn't like the fact, that, the fact that Matt Damon was clearly a bad guy, and McConaughey... I didn't like how overt it was. It felt cartoony. Because the music got gray. dark... The music got really dark. He was saying, like, Dr. Doom-level monologue type, I'm just about to kill you stuff. And initially it bothered me, yeah. And I was kind of like... But then somebody pointed out, and I, and I, I was like, okay. I agree with that. They said I, I, I liked it. It was very classic suspense where we know something the main character is not in on. They said, I'm sick of these unexpected, what a twist moments. They said, I like to know where it's going, and we have to, we have to see how the character is going to react to it. And I said, you know what? I, I agree with that now because I think we've been conditioned for these crazy twists that are just like, oh, you didn't see that coming, did you? Like, right. I kind of I kind of forgot that movies for the previous how many decades were like there's this build right. into it. But I I think that the I mean obviously that the shuttle redocking was uh, was amazing. But was the, cool. what was happening on Earth I thought was just as compelling because you've got evidence that this man is killing his family. Because he's too stubborn, and Jessica Chastain. I mean, the reason that I think it was, I was, I was tensed up when Casey Affleck was, or uh, Topher Grace was saying he's coming because they're kidnapping his kids, they're stealing. Yeah, his I guess I just didn't care that's about a big fucking deal. Much, you know, I was like, okay, this is this is pretty insane stakes on both ends. So I was I was pretty into it for yeah. you know all over. Um, 
I think the thing with Nolan's movies, though, largely, is you, you have to be willing to... Especially, he seems to be getting pushing more in this direction of you really need to be willing to do the work to, like, enjoy it, to get the most out of it. They're not, they're not necessarily, like, they're getting a little, and they're not full tilt there yet, but they're getting a little bit away from Thinking Man's popcorn movie into just full-blown, like, you really have to be willing to sit down and, like, I don't digest know the, it all. That's the really I, weird thing about I it. Feels like he, I feel like he hand-feeds it. Is that he's doing so out. much telling and not showing, yeah. but yet you're still feeling like... No, where, I where wish he would do less. Where do you guys think there was so much telling? Um, like I said with the Matt Damon part, when he comes out and then he launches into that, when Anne Hathaway goes on her um, her love, her talking about love, and basically mm-hmm. that was too much. Um, the other, What's the other part I'm, I'm blanking on here? Well, there's a lot that, for me, I think the, the standout for me with the telling, not showing thing would be once he's in the... What, what, what do they call tesseract. it? Thank you, the Tesseract. Once he's inside of it... There's so much being said, and there's so much like there's so many revelations happening at the same time, and it's like, just let me like you, like he brings back the love thing again, and it's just this one line. Yeah. And I'm like, what was the the point? Like it was you you threw that away, kind of like you didn't. I think I, I get that. Like I, I, I think there are parts in this movie where people involved in NASA explain wormholes to each other, yeah, and black holes, and I'm and it felt like it felt like hand feeding me. Like I know what a black hole is. Like it's been around, Chris. Like I understand that it, fe- it that kind of that felt insulting to me, honestly, when I was watching it. It bothered me, and it took me out of the movie because <laughs> if you work for NASA, you're not going to tell someone else who works for NASA what a wormhole. Thor two did a better job of <laughs> gracefully explaining that. So I don't. It was a. It bugged me quite a bit, honestly. So that is where I am. It almost feels like he. I get what you're saying, but I don't think Inception hand feeds it. Like, I don't think it. I think you have to do the work in Inception too. I agree. And I, I think there's just as I, much exposition in Inception, if not more. There is, and but it's more. It's necessary, and it just it flows better, and it works better, and it builds to something more. I just didn't. In, the characters are better in Inception. In the sense, than and also in the sense in Inception, you're very much like. Nobody's sitting on Earth right now learning how to invade each other's dreams and use that right. to control somebody's mind. We don't, nobody is familiar, we are not familiar with that concept at all. But in terms of black holes and wormholes and things like that, there, there are certain things that shouldn't need to be explained to the audience through a cipher in the movie, especially if that cipher knows, should know these things in terms of like NASA people that don't know how a black hole works or how a, how a wormhole works. Well, that's tricky because, I mean, he really is in a tough spot when it comes to that from a, from a, he is a, a writing level because stuff, yeah. it's going to be tough because he's dealing with a lot of different scientific things and a lot of different kind of existential stuff too. And it's hard to write one of those by themselves, let alone blending the two and interweaving the two. I mean, I get, yeah, I understand I why it's, it's, it can't be easy to write a script like that. I don't think know? he also wants to presume that everybody who goes to see his movie knows how a black hole works. And I think right. that's the tough thing is he's got to find I think we balance. all know black holes are big black holes in space that suck things up. But I don't know if they understand that they exactly the, the physics of why a black hole is what it is and how it works and the fact that a lot of people probably know what they are, but they probably don't know we've never seen the inside or haven't shot something into it before. And, right. I, and, I, and I get that. Like, this whole movie is kind of about the fact that space study is dying. And I oh, think that that's absolutely reflective totally. of where we are. Like, this movie was 
very prophetic of where we are now. And one of my other little kind of, it's not really a criticism so much as like, I, I would like to, I, I was really surprised by the post-apocalyptic earth that there was. I didn't think that was going to be a thing in this movie. I was like, whoa, shit. Like, he's actually created, like, a future. Yeah. That's very plausible. Oh, very that was like, oh, It's very big. And I almost thought that could be its own movie and would have been really cool. So yeah. uh, I almost was kind of like, man, I'm a little torn because it's kind of like what you were saying, Willie. He packed his movie full of so many cool things. There's so much, yeah. But yeah. I, I, this is where I, what I, what I mean by you've got to be willing to do the work. I think you've got to kind of be able to, or be willing to finish the movie and still think about it on your own and, and think about the rest of the world and think about some of because the movie does kind of take a lot of jumps through time. Mm-hmm. And you've got to kind of fill the gaps of. Why are the characters behaving the way they're behaving? Why are they speaking to each other the way they are? Because there's a lot of you can't spend that much time, you know, with all the time that's passed. No, I get that. I, I guess, I guess for me, for me, it's um, there were so many cool, there were so many cool elements and ideas that you know, as somebody who's not super knowledgeable about you know uh, quantum physics and stuff, as none of us are, I don't think. But well, maybe this guy. We do. <laughs> but um, I am. Yeah, I know you are, Tim. Um, Thanks. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it was some of the stuff that they do. Like, I really love the idea that um, time moves differently on this planet. Time dilation is so awesome. Yeah, it's the totally best idea in the movie. Totally fascinating. <laughs> and my thing is, we get so many. And that was yeah, that was probably my favorite concept. Yeah. my favorite scientific concept in the movie. But there are so many interesting concepts and themes that are touched upon in this movie. And I would have loved for him to have just taken one or two of those, and instead of giving us kind of a snapshot in this big, big epic film, instead of giving us a snapshot, extrapolating on that and making it, making that the movie, you I know what I mean, yeah. or, or, or the of the biggest, bigger focus. Of I think, the movie. yeah, I think what Willie and I were hoping for, and maybe, but is maybe just a little more focused movie. It's kind of what we are. Kind of go. It, it I mean, tries something to tackle. It, it tries to tackle a lot, and I don't want to knock it for that too much because there are no, a lot of movies that tackle nothing. It's, Transformers Four, we haven't got one of those knocks in yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, I. No, it's true. Yeah. Because not only do we're we're looking at interstellar travel in the first place, but we're looking at interstellar travel through a wormhole mm-hmm. that is also to a solar system that has a black hole in it. We've got an entire dying Earth going. Di- on. Dying so Earth is happening. Yeah, it's there. There's there's really a lot to. There's some sort of digest. alien intelligence that has communicated that's, to us. You know, that's, like that's another. That, element that, that's you guys not, gonna talk about the the last? That's, that's, that's a, there's that. so much freaking crap that I want to talk about <laughs> okay. that I'd like. No, like it, the idea that there are aliens going around, like uh, that's really iffy and nebulous, and maybe not even true by the end of the movie. Right. Especially in the sense that Coop figures out that he was the ghost like that. You know, Coop and, and Murph figure that out. But um, I did want to talk about one of my bigger character and, and something that Tim touched on. Amelia's whole love thing. The weird double standard between Amelia and Coop and how Amelia expects Coop to give up his children. But then Coop expects Amelia to make a rational choice about not seeing her lover on the planet and how neither of them tend to understand each other on that. I want to, um, and the fact that it's like a contention in the first place is really, really strange to me 
and also plays into the fact that I like this this movie doesn't feature really smart people doing really smart things like I tend to sometimes champion in some of the movies that we talk about but like Matt Damon being like he should have woken up out of that pond and been like I fucked up this planet's not gonna work guys let's fix this and then go to the next planet that's absolutely what should have happened and anybody who's like reasonable but maybe you go insane I was gonna say I don't traveling for two that's that's part of honestly it's it's one thing it's one thing to know that there's a potential that you're never going to see your family again it's another thing to to have somebody say to you no you're not going to see your family again yeah and you had to be okay with that right now. There are some. Sense. There are a couple interesting articles I came across too that I don't remember who wrote them, but they're on like gender roles in this movie. Yeah, and they're really interesting. And if you Google it, you can find yeah. it on the internet. And I wanted to, I, I, <laughs> and like, and they take both sides of it, and they present, they talk about both sides of it, and they're really good reads. So okay, I don't remember yeah. the titles. I th- I don't I <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's an excuse for a lot of the issues people have with people's judgment in this movie, but I think it's the reason certainly is that. They're, they're way they're literally we're gone where no man has gone before, mm-hmm. and I would I would bet real money that no matter what type of person you train and and condition to go out there and deal with that, something's gonna crack at some point with anybody, and I think that the you know that your issue with Amelia and Coop I think you have to look bigger picture than just those two characters that anybody would do that because that's what. I think one of the big messages in this movie is that is about what it means to be human and what humans do. And humans are not case and tars the same way case and tars are not humans. And there's a really, I think, a really big point of this movie is that, at least for the, for the scope of the journey, is that the two need each other to survive. But I think that one of the big messages is that humans, humanity, the reason that we want to continue as a species and not go extinct isn't just survival instinct. I think it's, it's for love. Like McConaughey does everything for love and he doesn't even realize he's doing it until the very end. And that's why when Amelia, who is very business and all science, because we don't know that she has this relationship I and mean, McConaughey starts to kind of sniff it out, mm-hmm. but it's not revealed until later. She tries, you know, God bless her. She tries to keep up that face, but in, in the face of annihilation or never seeing this person again, yeah, she wants to see him again. And I don't think anybody can hold that against her because that's what it means to be human is to be irrational, is to make stupid decisions. Now, should you make them when the fate of the human race is at stake? Maybe not, but, you know, when you're that far out there and when it, everything that could go wrong has, has, has gone wrong repeatedly, I, don't, I, don't, I think people have a really hard time thinking straight. And I think part of the reason Coop is really good is because he's not a scientist, and this is why I think it's okay that he had wormholes explained to him. He's not a scientist. Right. He's an engineer. He's a pilot. He's, he's Tom Cruise from Top Gun. He's really good at flying shit. And NASA's not real anymore. NASA's secret. There are not legions of really smart people being educated all the time in the ways of space. So we have a very small, concentrated core of people that know a lot about space. And one crazy redneck that is really going to fly him up there. I don't see him as a crazy redneck. I mean, he's like, the definition of engineer here is really, really, really hazy. And there's the whole idea that he's super pissed off that there are a bunch of moon deniers that are writing the textbooks that are in classrooms nowadays. And and so that that gray area of like, what does he know and what does he not know? I don't know. Somebody, 
Uh, if 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 he had been talking with NASA, if he was going to be a pilot for them, I had the assumption That's that he would know what a wormhole and a black. Where it came is. in the movie is what kind of irked me. Yeah, it's because it came when he was already there. It, this should be something you brief him on, I think. So that was that's what kind of irked me. And it's yeah, kind of, we're gonna kind of so, here, I think. So, but yeah. So what, uh, no, we're gonna I'm gonna hit ignition. What's a what's a wormhole? <laughs> right. That's kind of well, weird. I think it's interesting because he he knows what it is, but doesn't when he sees it is when the part when it changes when he goes, oh, it's a sphere, like it's three dimensional. I think he pictured all that's whole. that's totally okay because yeah. that's something that I like. I've never even thought right. about and how well, that and would that's, be. That's what prompts the explanation. As to how it works, because he actually describes why it's a sphere. Right. I wouldn't know that either. I didn't know Bornholm's a sphere. I gotcha. I can see that. Like, I, like, and I, like I said, with 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 a lot of Nolan's movies, he, he builds he builds these these ways to cover his tracks in all of his movies. Because there are tons of people that try to poke holes in Inception. And you're like, oh, wait, this character said this. That yeah. explains that. And with this movie, I think there's a lot of that. I think a lot of people's issues could be laid to rest with a second viewing or, like, you know, this kind of discussion. And I'm not saying it's for everybody. If people don't like the movie, that's cool. But I think it's uh, he, he does, again, a pretty bang-up job of, of explaining pretty much what, putting a why as to everything. Things don't just happen chaotically. He's a pretty meticulous... I think he pours over his scripts pretty meticulously to try to pin up all the loose ends. There was an interview with him today where he was like, people try to poke holes in my movies and they talk about the plot holes and he's like, I know where the plot holes are in my movies. I know when they come out where they are and I wonder if people are going to see them and some people do and others don't. I'd be utterly interested to sit down and talk with Christopher Nolan and see where he thinks his plot holes are but he would never ever... I I do get tired of the plot hole thing because it's mostly just people pointing out stuff that happened. In a movie, yeah. like some of the stuff, some of the plot yeah, holes right. things aren't plot holes. No, they're just you can't make a nine-hour movie. Like that's yeah. insanity. So yeah, and you know, uh, there's so much more that I would love to talk about this movie. We haven't even touched on the fact that Coop makes that alive out of a black hole, which is well the biggest question mark to me. He might. And yeah, interpretation or, of the movie. Or yeah, and that's true. That's true. That's something that I would like. Maybe that's where the movie ends. Essentially, is at that. And in the, the, the Kamikaze uh, ride the nuke down into the yeah. in the black hole because it could have gone in like four different ways. That transfer, like him in the thing as it blows apart. Mm-hmm. That's him dying. The rest of it's all impulses in his brain. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. But I feel like we didn't say anything. We didn't say a lot. I know. That I was really good about this movie. <laughs> like we all just kind of were like, "This is what I didn't like," and then we played like point count. I thought we kind of. I thought you got. There was some. I there was some. I wanted to see you guys. Yeah, I wanted to hear you guys get into. That's the, the last. The. Uh, oh, God damn it. McConaughey was know. so good. McConaughey's very good in this. His scene. I mean, my favorite scene in this movie. Amongst, I obviously loved it. There are a ton of incredible scenes. When he gets back on the endurance after 23 years have passed our time mm-hmm. and like three hours their time, I think somebody charted it. The, the scene where he's watching those videos, oh my God, was that good. Yeah. yeah. That was amazing. It's very good, yeah. His reaction to that was, that was perfect. Really the, it was simultaneous heartbreak and like outright joy at the mm-hmm. same time. I was like, this is the most complex face I've ever seen Matthew McConaughey make. I don't know whether he's sad or happy or I, both at the same time. I loved, just loved, loved, loved the the time dilation, yeah. the exploring of that idea in, in in a way that makes sense. Because that's something that I've read about in in textbooks many times, and just been like, I can't the make the dendrites connect. I can't get this to to make sense to me. And then finally to like have it all there, like plainly to see, and and just have that like exercise to see it is. 
It was so cool because awesome. he kind of had the training wheels with Inception, where he had all these sequences line up yeah. with time being different. But in this, to have it be real, mm-hmm. and I, even just watching it, I was like, "Yeah, I, I literally couldn't imagine being away from my ship for two hours and coming back and seeing my boy like with gray hair. Like yeah, my, I just how my my perception of reality would not snap in that moment. I wouldn't. That was the, that was the cool. That, that's the most fascinating part of the movie to me. It's, that really is. And then to think that everybody. <laughs> no it's, wonder everybody in this movie behaves crazily at times. I mean, just to try to keep your sanity. Humans, it's like the whole point of the movie is that there's these five dimensional, these beings that perceive five dimensions, and we simply can't. Because they're trying to explain to Coop, no, you can't. You, you literally can't. There's no way you, for your us brain, to understand it. It's just, it's, it's not, yeah, and exactly. I, I think that they, they are put in a lot of situations that our brains are just simply not able to comprehend yet. And like the line was just like, oh, she probably only died moments ago. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. what? But these signals have been beaming up for how long? Yeah. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. They're so cool. Oh, man. There's there's tones in this movie that's. They're awesome. very uh, for farmers. They're the last people like on Earth and everything. They're not, but like they're trying to farm. They're terrible with their crops. Yeah. Because they continuously drive through them and set them on fire. <laughs> yeah. for most of like, ah, we got all this corn, let's just... No one has a vehicle problem, though, where, like, he likes to run over things. <laughs> like, <laughs> he should be making the next A-team. Yeah, it's like... And as many Jeeps as he wants. It's like, it goes back to begins when he's just running over cop cars. I'm like, why are you doing that, Batman? I'm like, these people, like, why are you running over your food? So I was kind of bummed by that. Yeah. That that scene with the, the drone chase, though, was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I guess neither of you guys wants to go see it again. It's too bad, though. You really should see it in IMAX. It's, yeah. it's really something. I'm going to try to go at least two more times to the IMAX. I want to go as many times as I Because no, I'm never going to see this movie this way again. I, I have more faith in this movie holding up on home video than I did with Dark Knight Rises. Because for Dark Knight Rises, a lot of the moments that were cool were cool because they were on IMAX. And once I saw them on the Blu-ray, I was like, hmm. And not and not only was it did they lose any impact or sense of scale, but like they didn't make sense. Yeah. Like no one shot a lot of things for that huge format. And when I was watching like some of the fight scenes in Dark Knight Rises on a smaller screen, I was like, oh, he's, he's clearly not not even that. Like just like wow, Bane, Tom Hardy completely did not. He missed like a lot of the blocking is weird because they shot it on a bigger format. And mm. so when you're in this huge theater, you don't see it. When you watch the home video, you're like, oof, a lot of this yeah. fight coordination is really wacky. Because it doesn't read on that big screen right. and on a small screen it does, so Yeah, I think I think it'll be okay, but it's still it's one of those things. Like I unless I'm gonna go and build an IMAX theater and have a print of Tron Legacy and Interstellar, <laughs> which I would love to do, but isn't gonna happen. There's no other like I'm never gonna be able to see this movie in this way again. It's like people that are seeing two thousand one in Cinemascope or whatever where it's still it's true, yeah. It's you know I, I, it would be awesome if, if, you know, 30, 40 years from now, somebody's like, oh, hey, this is like the one normal IMAX that can show 70 millimeter film. We found a print of Interstellar. Let's restore it and put it up here. That'd be really cool. It's a good but, point. I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of a piece of history that, you know, this movie was made by his design anyway to be viewed in this format. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Like Peter Jackson with The Hobbit, like 48 frames. I was like, oh, it's the way he meant for me to see it. I'll go see it. Oh, God, it makes me confused. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. This worked, though. So, All right. We've gone way too long. There's still a lot that I would want to say, but I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, like, I feel maybe, bad. Maybe, maybe we can do like a, like a 
if we do like another. You and Nick should do like a bonus. We we can do we'll go we'll go and see it again and 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 maybe we can have he, some do more work. On and, do more. Work. <laughs> yeah. that would, that would I would listen good, to it. But, I don't, I don't know. know Gojo like so, oh, yeah, you and Nick yeah. should do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, who else did we see? It? The majority, everybody we saw it with actually really liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about um, Shabir's point about the spectrum between Spielberg and Kubrick and where where Nolan lies on yeah. that spectrum in terms of like emotional warmth and and like distance and things like that. But uh, anyway, nobody has sex in this movie though. I'm just saying. No, that's yeah. true. But Batman had sex in Dark Knight Rises. I know, that's what I'm saying. He, he didn't continue the trend. That was the most awkward thing. I was the only one that liked that scene, and here's why. Because it... <laughs> <laughs> Batman... It, they're just... Tim, you're 101 episodes too late with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It felt the most human part of maybe any Christopher Nolan movie, because it's two attractive people that are soaking wet, and they just want to have sex with each other. <laughs> like, it made, there was no explanation needed to that. I yeah. love it. You, so you said it to me once or twice, and every time I'm just like, you're kind of right. Like, <laughs> they look at each other like, damn. All right. Yeah, like in. <laughs> Good for the mission. Yeah. <laughs> We're in my mansion right now. And All right, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know what you think. You've had some thoughts on Interstellar uh, that I would love to read, but we're kind of running out of time just here. Just do it. Uh, I don't think we can on the episode with Steamy Batman. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. We always end the episode with Steamy Batman. <laughs> Yoop says, hey guys, my compliments on your 100th episode. It was very fun to hear you reminisce about your past reviews and hear you talk about the future. I'd like to share my thoughts on Interstellar. I'm a huge Nolan fan. Inception and The Dark Knight are some of my favorite movies of the past 10 years. I wasn't blown away after Interstellar like I was with Inception. Nevertheless, I liked Interstellar. It was a movie that trusts its viewers to understand the science behind everything that happens. We may or may not agree with that, depending on who you talk to on this panel. The performance of Matthew McConaughey was very good, especially the reaction to the video messages, as Nick said. Uh, after Cooper goes into the black hole and the ghost is revealed, uh, I was totally surprised because they didn't play up the mystery too much. It was present. I was curious about uh, what it was, but I was more concerned about the voyage. This kept me from thinking too much about the mystery. I agree with that. The last thing that I really like is where you're instantly in the world with the dust everywhere. That was really effective world building. And he said, although it isn't my favorite Nolan movie, it was something... Have I? Uh, it was something... I've rarely seen on film. I really recommend this movie to everyone that has an interest in space travel or just wants to see, just wants to enjoy epic shots of space and IMAX by Yoop. So, sweet. Yeah, no. Well said. It was good. Good, good points. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't disagree with most of those things that you said. Yeah. Thank you, Yoop. Thank you. Feedback, MidwestFilmNerds.com, right in. <laughs> MidwestFilmNerds. Tim and I just exchanged a... Minos <laughs> <laughs> Filmers on Facebook and Vine and MFN Podcast for Instagram and Twitter 248-7335-MFN which is 248-7335-636 leave us a voicemail and we'll play it and talk about it uh, next week I don't know and uh, Kyle X.Y go watch a movie <laughs>